If you have your Bibles, open them up. If you are not there already, go to the book of Romans. Who here remembers what chapter we're in? <laughs> awesome. Chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Going through the books of the Bible, of course, in our church. And this is how Calvary chapels typically are around the world. We go through and study every book of the Bible, every chapter, every verse. Right now we're in chapter 8. About halfway through this book. We're going to start from verse 28. Romans 8, verse 28. By the way, it's, it's getting warm in here. Is it? You guys warm? Perfect. This is perfect. <laughs> perfect? Okay. As long as you all are okay. You can never tell. <laughs> Some of you guys are wearing like thick jackets. All right. As long as you guys are okay. Can you please stand with me? I'm going to sit for a bit. We're going to start reading from verse 28. This might sound familiar. Romans 8, starting from verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, according to His purpose. Please pray. Father, we thank You. Lord, thank You for a wonderful passage like this that contains promises And Lord, we thank you that you gave us this wonderful book that we call Romans. Thank you for the Apostle Paul that you had used so long ago. Just like us, a sinner saved by your grace through faith in Jesus, being Messiah, Savior, and Lord. Just like him, Lord, we confess to you of our sins. Even in this book, chapter 3, we discover that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we thank you for salvation through Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave. And because of faith in Jesus, we are justified. It is justified, never sinned. And we thank you, Lord, that we've been adopted as we've been learning. You brought us into this family, this new family, gave us a new beginning, a new hope, a new set of texts to live by. It's your word. A new God. We no longer worship self or even the devil or things or anybody in the world. And we want to no longer obey the things in the world, the things of our flesh like we learned at in chapter 7. We want to walk and obey the Spirit of God, you yourself who live within the born-again child. We want to obey you and deny the things of the flesh. And Lord, we do know as we're discovering in this chapter that We will go through sufferings in this life simply by obeying you, the trials, tribulations. Some of them, Lord, are simply appointed by you. Some you simply allow. And Lord, help us this side of eternity. Help us to understand these things more clearly, but yet open up your word for us, God, that we would understand your word. Speak to us, for we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people say Amen. Thank you. You guys can have a seat if you would. So guys, if you've ever wondered when you're obeying God and following God, why it is that you might go through trials at times, the sufferings, as we might say in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. So why is it, if you've ever asked that, or even what your focus should be, while you're going through the trials and the suffering, then today's message in Romans chapter 8 is for you. So as we dig into this, you might discover that 
Verse 28 sounds very familiar. We covered this a little bit last time. But how many of you, this is one of your favorite verses. We all love this as Christians, right? We all love to give this. It's hard sometimes, though, when you're going through it, right? To to receive it. Oh, boy. (laughs) And as we look at this, we want to study the text within the context. Let's break down a little bit of this again, just to kind of recap and bring us back up to speed. We've already gone through chapters 1 through 7, of course, and really half of this chapter 8. So it says, we know. We looked at previously here that God gives you and I as born-again Christians an intuitive knowledge. We know. This is not a learning that you have to go through for knowledge, like math. 2 plus 2 equals... Four. Okay, some people a little mad. <laughs> so we learn, and math is one of those things that is incremental as you learn. It builds upon each other. So there's an intuitive knowledge that you and I have. We know, it says. We know that all things work together for good. And so keep in mind the context of the text. This is why it's a must-do thing, I believe, to not just take one verse out of its context and then just apply it to anything. I've heard Christians in business apply this. A lot of Christians, actually, online in business apply it. Oh, you you suffer financial hardship, or you made a bad deal. Oh, God works all things together for good. Well, maybe you made a bad call. Maybe that wasn't God's thing, right, for you to do. And you don't want to just slap it on for everything. The context, remember, getting through chapter 7, is you go through those Romans 7 loops, so to speak, right? You go that in... You have that internal turmoil that we have as Christians. God, those things that I should do, I end up not doing. And those things that I shouldn't do, I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. That You see the wretchedness of yourself as the Holy Spirit who now lives within the born-again child is going to eliminate those things within your heart and mind. And you can go through what we might call the self-condemnation. Anybody identify with that? Every Christian goes through that. That's one of the ways that you could tell if you're saved. And every Christian must mature, if we might say so, contextually through the text. We must mature into and pass through chapter 7 and get into chapter 8. So now as we learn here in chapter 8, as it opens up, notice this again, just to kind of dip back in and recap. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice the comma and the caveat in the New King James Version Bible, which we read and study out of who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hey, every time you obey your flesh, you're going to be self-condemned. And every time you obey the Spirit of God, you're not going to go through that self-condemnation, that as we talked about in Romans 7, verse 14 and on. Like the hamster on the hamster, where you spend all your energy, and then by the time you jump off, you're like, huffy puffy, I expend all my energy and time. And I went nowhere in life. I, I was that way for years. Anybody else identify with that? So we all go through that. So we need to mature into and pass through that. Every single Christian goes through that. And then you get to chapter 8. And now I don't want to walk according to the flesh, like verse 1 mentions, but I want to walk and obey the Spirit of God. So now what happens then? Look at verse 18. You might go through what you and I say are sufferings, the trials, God, I didn't sign up for this. Anybody ever tell God that? That was me. I didn't sign up for this. And it's as if the father 
as you cry out to him, if I could be honest, how I might be, oh God, come on, tears streaming down your face. Don't you hear? Don't you see? Won't you rise up and rescue me? Has that ever been any of you guys? Sometimes you got those groanings as we go through chapter 8. Oh, I don't even know how to pray. And the Spirit of God will intercede. We're looking at the text within the context here. Sometimes you go through, again, verse 18, the sufferings. But what are these sufferings related to? Obeying the Spirit of God, no longer the flesh. Why? Jesus wants to be Lord. And it's a daily walk, isn't it? Take up your cross daily, he says in Luke 9, verse 23. And this is the context of Romans 8, verse 28. It's not just the refrigerator magnet or the T-shirt or bumper sticker or the Christian meme on Facebook or Instagram. We all love to see that. We all love to give that. Oh, you're going through it. Romans 8, 28, sister. Romans 8, 28, brother. And while they're going through it, like, the Lord rebuke you. <laughs> Get out of my face, right? We can feel like that. So what's the context? That as you and I obey the Spirit of God, you're going to go through what the Bible just calls sufferings. But what's the purpose? If that's what you're asking, why is it that when I'm obeying you, I might go through the pains, the trials, the tribulations, the sufferings? And how might it be? Well, this is what we want to cover today. We want to look at, and I want to help you to focus on, as we look at contextually, don't look to the sufferings, look past it. And that's where we need to get to, even in the context of chapter 8. The end of the chapter, we're going to focus on love. God's love. Not your love for God, not your love for each other. God's love for you and I. God's love for us. So if you ever wondered, why is it, God, when I'm obeying you, I'm following you, I'm denying the things of the flesh, obeying the things of the Spirit, it seems like it's tough times ahead seems like things are, are tougher. I mean, Mr. Mr. Mrs. Preacher on TV or the books I might read that, that gets pushed at and published, either they're wrong or you're wrong, God. So what is it? Well, you're going to go through things. And we know, it says in verse 28, we know that all things work together for good. So, hey, when you're going through the sufferings of this present time, which is verse 18, because you're obeying God, you need to know all things work together for good. And if you could get the text within the context and you apply it to your life, Romans 8 verse 28 makes sense. But it doesn't die there. It doesn't end there. It continues on into the chapter. Notice this also. There's a qualifier here. It's that this applies, quote, to those who love God. So if you're doing you, like the world says, you do you. I'll do me. It's all good. I mean, you hear that in the world, right? It, that ain't good with God. You do you. What does that mean? That's called self-worship. <laughs> that means Jesus is not Lord. That means this does not apply. If you're obeying the Spirit of God, denying the things of the flesh, that's we cover that in chapter 7. And that's the context of verses 1 and on in chapter 8. And then now you go through the sufferings in verse 18. And now you got to know with that intuitive knowledge that God gives you. This is verse 28. And we know. You know because God's already been preaching it to you. You didn't have to come to learn to know because I've experienced this over 50 years now. It'll come to pass. This too shall pass. Any of you guys hear that Christian meme? This too shall pass. Where's that in the Bible? It ain't. 
That's not in the Bible either. That's why those things don't work. God's Word, empowered by God's Spirit, does. Amen? So what do you know? We know that all things work together for good. What's the qualifier? To those who love God. Are you loving God? Are you obeying the Spirit and denying the flesh? And this applies to you because you will go through sufferings, just like Christ did, just like Paul did, just like the other apostles did, and just like you, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you will go through. Notice it says here, to those who are the called. So for those of you who've received Jesus as your Messiah, as your Savior, you're the called ones. All right. Praise God. But when I pray that prayer to repent and receive Christ Jesus, I didn't know I was signing up for sufferings. And if you feel like that, okay, who else here was like me? You're like, wow, I didn't know it was a supersized package. Wow. Because he wants you and I to learn to be more like Jesus. So to those of you that are called, so someone might say, that's not fair. You mean only some are called to be saved? Well, then the answer might be, then get saved. <laughs> and then you'll find out you're called. Repent of your sins, get saved, and then there's no problem. So if you're saved, then remember, God's going to work together for good. What things? All things. And when you're going through the sufferings of this present time, remember, notice this again at the end of verse 28. It's according to whose purpose? His purpose. So Christian, can you, if you take nothing away from today, please take this home. Please take this. That when, when you go through the sufferings of this present time, for obeying the Spirit of God and denying the flesh, you're going to go through the sufferings of this present time, but it's according to His purpose. So as I open up, this will help the Christian that goes through the stuff, the sufferings, the trials, the temptations, and tribulations, whatever it is. You're going through it. Why? God has a purpose in it. Okay? And it doesn't end there. So this is just the intro. This is just the beginning. Romans 8.28 was not meant to be like the final solution you, you quote and you slap on like a sticker on everything in life. So my encouragement to you as you go through this in your own life, and even as we study through this in Romans chapter 8 today, is to find out what God's purpose is for the trial you're going through right now in your life. Can you do that? Here's your holy homework. Find out what God's purpose is for the trial you're going through in your life right now. Now, if you're not loving God and you're obeying the flesh, this probably doesn't apply to you. You're bringing it on yourself. God can still use you, but you need to repent and then get back on track. But if you've already done that, you're obeying the Spirit of God, you're denying the things of the flesh, you're going through the trials in life, the sufferings of this present time, there's a purpose in this. This is what God's wanting you and I to see in this Romans 8, 28 verse. Okay? So it's not just a Christian meme. Please track along with this and please follow along here. So remember what trials you're going through. They will work together for good. Let's continue on here. Verse 29. And again, we're looking at the text within the context. We're also not going to take out verses 29 and 30, which many, sadly, in the church world for like the past 400, 500 years, they've been arguing over these things. Again, study the text in the context. This will make great sense. Verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also 
predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. All right, so we're going to talk about the foreknowledge of God here for a little bit. The word for foreknew is a Greek word, prognosko. Pro, before. Gnosko means to know. Not like the previous word in verse 28, for we know. That's a different Greek word. That's a know. It's an intuitive knowledge. This word, gnosko, it's a, this is the coming to learn to know. You, you get to know as time goes on. Okay? But when it talks about this, about God, and he foreknew, prognosko means to know beforehand. Basically. Okay? To know beforehand. That's actually rather Bible dictionary. To know beforehand. So God's omniscient. He knows everything. You gonna school God with anything? Think about this too in your theology, in your prayer life, your practical prayer life. When you tell God what your prayer request is, are you informing Him? Are you schooling Him? God, listen, if you didn't see, just in case, just in case you're really busy today, no, God is omniscient. He knows all things. He can't learn. So we have to remember as we go through these verses that the God who wrote the Bible, He also exists out of outside of, as well as lives in and through, our limited dimensions that you and I exist in. Okay, Predestined. We'll get to these things and unpack them a little bit more. This word for predestined means to predetermine or even decide beforehand. Decide beforehand. So God made a predetermination for you. You've already received Him. Well, that's not fair. Okay. Then get saved. And you apply here. Okay, remember, we already covered these things like in chapters 1 through 7. And the, the previous chapters, as we open up this book, we got to chapter 3, all have sinned, right? Fall short of the glory of God. It's to get us contextually to receive the gospel, to repent. And then now chapter 6, 7, and 8, as we are here today, this applies to the Christian, to those that are already called, who already received salvation through Jesus Christ. Well, here's what God told Jeremiah. I'm going to splash this on the screen. In Jeremiah 1, verse 8, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. All right, so this is where some ask at this juncture in this book, without going contextually through the text, they just park on Romans 8, verses 29 and 30, and they say, Aha! Are you a Calvinist, or are you an Arminian? Anybody ever hear that? Too many times, yeah, right? And I say this, I'm not trying to offend anybody, I just want to bring truth, I want to be a preacher of God's word of truth. And we must study, not just the text, but the context. Read before it, read after it. Why? Because the end of the chapter talks about one main topic. What is that? Love. You can see what the devil's been doing to try to destroy the body of Christ and getting us to argue and debate over things, which brings out a lot of hate and division instead of love. So if you can see this, then you can see what God's wanting to do with you and me. Okay, so it's not a thing of people questioning and, and asking, all right, so do you believe more in the sovereignty of God? 
Or do you believe more highly in the responsibility of man? Those are the two divisions that a lot, not all, because where is Calvary Chapel and where do I personally fit? In neither camp. So don't let anybody tell you, you must be a Calvinist if you're not an Arminian, or you must be an Arminian if you're not a Calvinist. Where is that in the Bible? It ain't! It's not in the Bible. Please do not let anybody pigeonhole you. Okay, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, but there's going to be a lot of people that have issue just at what I'm saying right now because I'm not preaching pro-Calvinism or because the other camp, which there's there's not just two camps, because I'm not just preaching pro-Arminianism. Know that because some people don't read and study the entire Bible within its context, but they're simply following a man-made theological system they're going to fall, they're going to fail. That's actually happening more and more now. So neither one, neither of those two camps is correct. Why? Because scriptures teach both. So we have scriptures like this. When we come to the text, hey, no stone unturned. we got to come to this text and go, all right. So there's some that actually point to, some would say, pro-Calvinist. Well, see, God's already predetermined. Well, there's also scriptures like John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes. So the focus is on belief. you got the responsibility of man. There's scriptures on both sides. Choose a side, Chuck Smith Sr. used to say. Why? Because you could argue either side. The focus is not, are you going to divide the body of Christ? But read into and through chapter 8. What's the focus? God's testing us as a father. Love. Okay, We'll get to that in a bit. So neither Calvinism nor Arminianism is correct. And Calvary Chapel, nor this church, nor myself are a Calvinist or Arminian. Uh, basically, let me say too at this juncture that through the lens of apologetics and also as you study God's word, let me give you a really good hint. How can you quickly and easily tell if a man-made theological system is made by a man or if someone is following a man-made theological system? Many times it has the name of a man attached to it. <laughs> Makes sense, right? So we don't follow Calvin nor John Calvin, nor Calvinism, we follow who? Jesus Christ. Why? Because nowhere did Jesus say, hey, you better listen to this guy. He's really smart. His name is John Calvin. He's going to be born about 1,500 years after me. Now, I know people get upset at me saying that, but it was never commanded by Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. Okay, We want to be followers of Jesus Christ. So, really easy hint is this, if a system is named after a man, you're most likely being taught man-made doctrine. If the system also has is named with an ism, Calvinism, etc., etc., then that belief system is most likely comprised of man-made doctrines. That's true of Calvinism. That's true of Arminianism. That's true of Roman Catholicism. That's true of Buddhism. That's true of Mormonism, that's a cult. That's true of Hinduism, as well as many other man-made doctrines. So let's just remember, as we come to this juncture, that's why I want to leave no stone unturned. This is why I can't just pick and choose. Okay, Love me, hate me, up to you. 
but I must teach into and through all of God's Word. Every book of the Bible, every chapter, every verse, and in many cases, every word as we go through the Greek words here. So let's remember, though, that God commands us in His Word to read God's Word, to study God's Word, and to preach God's Word, and to take people through the whole counsel of God. Okay, so let me say this, this juncture too, that if really, if we're honest with God and honest with ourselves, then the biblical response is we don't follow John Calvin nor Calvinism. We don't follow Jacobus Arminius nor Arminianism, but we follow Jesus Christ because he commands us to follow him and to obey God's word. And if we're honest with God and if we actually read and study the Bible within its context, then the question that the person should ask is not, are you a Calvinist or Arminian? The question will actually get asked by God in verse 31. This is why I'm convinced. We used to have some that come in and say, dude, that's not us. And some they always typically, what's called Neo-Calvinism, which means New Calvinism. Not all, but some of the, the more current, newer guys are typically men, they're young, and they always want to argue and debate. That's your typical. I didn't write that. I actually read that on some articles. Like, oh, that's actually interesting how loud it is. And guess what happened in recent years? God don't play. Many of those individuals, uh, and I won't mention the individuals or churches, have fallen that were those leading proponents of those types of movements. Why? The sin of pride. It's, it's just sad. So the response that God wants us to actually ask is not, are you a Calvinist or a Minion when you come to these verses? Verse 31. We'll get to that in a bit. That's God's question. So just read and study the Bible in its context and you'll be safe. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. So you're like, oh, I wish I didn't come to church today. Well, going through these verses, because these are the ones that God had put in his word and the topics that he's lined up step by step. Okay, notice this also, what it says here. Verse 29 and on, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to what? To the image of his Son. Notice what we've been predestined to be. It says, conformed to the image of his Son. This is what it's about. This answers, why is it, as we got through chapter 7, that I go through that Romans 7 loop, I'm obeying the things of the flesh and I'm condemning myself. I'm disobeying God and I'm condemning myself. Oh, wretched man that I am. What's going on? Now, I need to obey and follow the Spirit of God, not self, not the things of the flesh. And I'm going to go through verse 18, sufferings. Why is it? So that I could be, quote, conformed to the image of His Son. Does that make sense now? Things are making sense if we look at this and study the text within the context and not take a text and extrapolate it out. Who was it? An apologist in the past mentioned, when you take a text out of its context, you have the pretext for heresy. And that's why we can't do that. You've got to study the text in the context. So the focus is to be conformed to the image of his son. Who here has prayed, God, use my life. God, help me to grow. I want to be more like Jesus. Or maybe you sang songs like that. Raise your hand. Has that ever been you? Raise your hand. It's okay. Raise your hand. Keep it up. Look around the room. Have you ever prayed, God, use my life, mature me, grow me? Time for me to stop being a baby? 
That's me a lot of times. Wah! <laughs> I got one for you, word for you, God. Wah! <laughs> I feel like a baby. And God's trying to mature me. So guess what He's doing? He's answering your prayers. And now you might go through the sufferings. Verse 18. Why? Because He wants you to be conformed to the image of His Son. So when you pray, God, I want to be more like Jesus. Are you singing? We have tons of these types of songs, right? Lord, use my life, etc., etc. Wow, what is he doing? He's going to bring these things or allow them into your life so that you can be conformed to the image of his son, to be more and more just like who? Just like how you used to be? No. More like Jesus. So please understand this. Don't get upset if God simply answers your prayer. Okay? He's trying to turn the prayer request into a praise report. But along the way, along the path, you and I have a lot of selfishness that he's got to get rid of. Anybody confess to that? We do, right? And so what happens? You're going to go through the sufferings of this present time. Why? Because he wants to make you more and more like Jesus. That's what it's about, guys. That's why Romans 8 verse 28 is there. Not that you can apply it to anything in life, but because he's trying to conform you to the image of his son, Jesus Messiah. So in foreknowing me even, he predestined that I should be a child of his. But that blows away my mind. That's incomprehensible. And even wanting to mature me even further, and so I get all this stuff that comes up. He's going to reveal stuff out of my heart so he can heal and get rid of it. That's just incomprehensible why he would want to do that with me. He's going to blow away your mind. Allow him to. And he would pick a sinner like me to be saved. I I just can't understand that. I can understand maybe for you guys, maybe comprehend, to be truthful. I can't understand it. But I don't know why he would do that with me. Also, to know from God's perspective, these things are a done deal already. They're already done. That he would have, quote, called, as it says, us to be saved. And to hear and to respond by repenting of our sins. Just like Jesus said, that you must be born again. From our perspective here on earth, though, these are not fully seen. Notice what it says here. In verse 30, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called whom he called, these he also justified. We've already discussed justification. It's justified, never sinned. doesn't make sense. This goes beyond forgiveness. The, the slate is wiped clean. You're a born-again Christian. It's justified, never sinned. That's justification. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Wait a second. I'm not in a glorified state, am I? Don't, you don't have to answer that. No, I'm not, definitely. <laughs> Neither are you. We don't see these things yet, do we? But from God's perspective, it's already a done deal. This might comfort the heart. And this is why this is written. Not to get the person that's pro-Calvinist to argue and complain, or pro-Arminian, like, you come to my camp, we have better marketing. It's not that. It's that it would blow away your mind, the fact that God sees you, where from where he is, it's already a done deal. You and I just got to step through all the stuff. You, he's also glorified. And here's the question. Let's just get to this in verse 31. 
Here's the question to ask within these texts. Don't let anybody else pigeonhole you into trying to and, and try to push you to try to ask the or answer the question. Are you Calvinist or Arminian? No, neither. I'm a Bible-believing, Christ-following Christian. And a lot of times they don't like that. Actually, Chuck Smith wrote a book. What is it? Calvinism, Arminian, uh, Calvinism, Arminianism, and the Word of God. Why? Because we're part of that third place. It's like, I just want to follow Jesus and read and study the Bible. These are reasons also why we don't have, quote, membership. Why? It's not biblical. <laughs> don't let anybody tell you it is, because a lot of Christians will do that. A lot of churches and denominations. Why? Because a lot of them are into members and money. And let God take care of that. We still have never asked for a single penny. And I have 21 years I've been here. I look at that like, how can this happen? It's just the grace of God, not because of me. So the question to ask then as we go through these things, look at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? That's a good question. That's a biblical question. Not are you a Calvinist? Are you an Arminian? What can you say to these things? The fact that Christ Jesus... Because of his work and who he is, he justified you. He takes all those sins that you had already done. He already knew all the sins you would do, all the tens of thousands of sins. And he died that one time on the cross. And then you receive and believe him, repent from your sins. You got a new life now. And it's just as if you've never sinned. And he treats you like his son. Is that fair? No. That's not fair, but it's, do you want us to receive that? Yes. So what should we say to these things? It's really hard to say. That's the right question to ask. Just know that according to God's word, Calvinists and Arminians are asking the wrong questions about these Bible verses. I want you to know that. Be equipped, church. According to God, our question is this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's why verse 31 is there. Okay, so it's not to argue God's sovereignty versus man's responsibility. It's basically this. Since God is for us and the pressures or trials and tribulations and sufferings that come against us because we love God and are choosing to obey God's spirit, therefore the tribulations that come against us are actually either assigned by God or allowed by God then who can be against us? The stuff that you're going through, the trials, the tribulations, the sufferings that you're going through because of loving God and obeying God's spirit. We know. You know when you're going through the stuff. All things work together for good. It's not because of past those things are great to help boost your faith. It's not because you read the saints in the past or what they read in their diaries and journals. Although those can be great and boost your faith, you know because God's Spirit, who now awakened your spirit, now you're born again, He's already been preaching it to you. You know. You know that what you're going through is going to help you to be conformed to the image of His Son. So, in other words... 
with this question, what then shall we say to these things? In other words, since God has already predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son, it's these very trials that God is trying to use so that you can be conformed to the image of His Son. That's the purpose. That's why you go through what you're going through. Does that make sense? So when you're studying the text within the context, Romans 8.28 was never meant to be extrapolated and to apply it, and you just throw it at, hey, Romans 8.28, brother. I do that to myself. Does it work? Not when you're going through it. <laughs> Has anybody ever tried to apply it when you're going through stuff? It uh, Maybe it works better for you. For me, I'm like, ah. <laughs> you're like, ah. <laughs> maybe you might apply the other parts of the chapter. You're like the groaning, ah. I don't even know what to say. God, ah. <laughs> The groanings. All right, let's continue on. Here's why this chapter, though, is such an awesome chapter for us as Christians. I'm going to splash this on the display here. Take the context of chapter 8. When you look at, just a kind of overview or recap as we go through this, when you go through the sufferings of this present time, it's Romans 8, verse 18, Know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. That's Romans 8, verse 28. God uses your trials for you, quote, to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's Romans 8, verse 29. And as you go through this, we're going to get into these next verses. You need to remember that nothing quote, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is just a, a summary of chapter 8. God, use my life. What's going to happen? Romans 8. Romans 8. That's what's going to happen. God, help me to grow. Help me to be more like Jesus. So whatever you're singing, whether you sing it in the children's church or it's on the radio and you're singing along, you really mean it in your heart, God's going to answer that. It's like praying for patience. Anybody ever pray for patience? What does God do with you? You guys are chuckling because you pray for that, huh? It's not like you go, Oh, Lord, glory! And you open your eyes. I am so patient. (laughs) He's going to give you people and situations to try your patience. There's a lady with experience there. So that's what happens. So if you've ever prayed, God, use my life. God, help me to hear from you. Help me to mature. For me, this is what I, I, I say it many times in my context. Help me to stop being a baby. I'm, I cry too much. Like whine. W-H-I-N-E. I whine too much with God. Help me, God. Then you know what he'll do? He'll utilize the sufferings that you go through because of choosing the Lord and not the flesh or the, the devil or the things in the world, you're going to go through the sufferings of this present time. That's Romans 8, verse 18. And you know that when you're, when you're going through that, he's going to make all things work together for good. God, you've got some kind of holy outcome. And what is that purpose? That's verse 28. That I would be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's the why. That's the why. So what do I need to focus on? Not the sufferings and not think of Christ. I don't just look to the cross. I want to look past it. With joy, he endured the cross, didn't he? 
and the shame of the cross. The cross was a shameful thing. We wear it with pride. We put it on our tombstones. Hey, hey, I'm a Christian. But back then, that would have been a shameful way to die. That was a convicted, condemned criminal's way to die, a very torturous way. You would not go, oh, joy, i got to take up my cross daily back then. You'd be like, mom, dad, I'm going to die. That's it. <laughs> and it's going to be public, naked, can't even cover myself, my arms are spread out, and I'm going to die, for the most part, by suffocating for all the world to see. With joy, he went to the cross, so endured the shame. With joy. Why? Many might say it this way. He looked and he saw you. He knew what was past the cross. Does that make sense? So you and I, when we're going through our sufferings for following Christ, he bids you to come. He says, follow me. Where are we going? Going to a cross. Why? Because there's a lot in you, Drew, that still needs to die. Because I want you to be more like me, is what he might say to me. So guess what's going to be revealed so it can be healed? The stuff, many times, that's still harbored within me. And so God's going to use these trials again, verse 29, so that you can, quote, be conformed to the image of His Son. So as you go through it, you need to remember, nothing is going to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. That needs to be the focus. God's love. Not argue. Not debate. These verses were never meant to be like that. What then shall we say to these things? That's the question. The focus is on God's love. God and God's love. So who can be against us since God is in control? He's not going to allow you to go through anything that His grace won't be the answer for. His grace will be the answer. doesn't mean it's going to not be painful. It means He's going to conform you to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. You ask for it, right? And so He's going to respond. Verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? So the thought is this, since God sacrificed His own Son for us, He's also going to give you victory It'll be victory in Christ through the sufferings we endure for Him. That's mentioned in verse 18. Verse 33, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So if you're really trusting in God for all things, then who shall bring a charge against you? Think about that. Allow God to protect you. It's God that justifies you. So remember, if you've repented of your sins then you're saved, you're born again. It's just if you'd never sinned. That's justification. Verse 34, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Are you kidding? When you're going through the sufferings of this present time, Christ Jesus is still making intercession for you. He's still our great high priest. One of the things as you study about the priests in the Old Testament is that the priests, they were the intercessors. They had to stand, they're the go-betweens. They stand between God and the people, the people and God. Christ Jesus still makes intercession for you. Will you allow Him to? He wants to. So if you're going through the sufferings in this life because you're loving God, you're obeying God's Spirit, and you're going through the sufferings, and you remember God's going to make all things work together for good. 
And He's trying to conform you to the image of His Son. Know these next verses as we close out chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not just a conqueror, more than conquerors. And notice it's through who? Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. In other words, nothing. Verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So when you're going through the sufferings of this present time, which is the context of Romans 8, verse 28, don't let anybody take it and twist it out of his context. God's going to make all things work together for good. Why? It's for His purpose. And what is that? That you will be conformed to the image of His Son. He's trying to make you more like Jesus. But don't be like how I am still many times. I'll, still, I'll just confess it. How I might be whining and come like, Oh, come on, God, don't you see me? Do you see what I'm going through? Look at all these sacrifices I'm doing. And then He reminds you of Christ on the cross. Like, ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, for all my whining and complaining. You want me to focus on your love and the fact that nothing's going to separate me from your love when I'm going through the sufferings of this present time, verse 18. And you'll know that all things will work together for good. You just can't see it today. You can't. So we're going to close here with a word of prayer. Can we set up, though, to close with a worship song? And we're going to close with a worship song. We're going to get ready to close here. But I'm going to ask uh, for us to, to get set to start up for worship. I'm going to ask also as we close here, because there's probably someone here that needs prayer. It's my guess. Maybe there's one, maybe there's some. As we close in worship here, if anybody wants to come up to be prayed for, maybe you're going through it. Maybe it's a sufferings. Maybe a whatever it is. Can we pray for you? I want to take this time as we worship that we would also be able to minister to you if that's somebody here. I just believe God's brought people in that we can not go to church, so to speak, but we would be the church, right? The body of Christ. That we could love one another. Because if you prayed, God, use my life. God, help me to mature. Or like how I pray to God, just stop whining. I'm so I'm such a baby many times, God. Help me to grow. You're going to go through things as you obey the Spirit and deny the things of the flesh, the sufferings of this present time. Much of it will be your internal trauma, your whiny heart, if you're like me. And God's trying to conform you to the image of His Son. Jesus Christ never whined. I have a lot of maturing. <laughs> I have a lot of growth to do. And if you need prayer, then I'm going to ask you when we worship that you would simply come up we can pray for you. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for today. And Lord, we ask that you would please 
Empower us mightily by your Spirit, Lord. We ask that you would also help us, God. Help us to know your will. Help us, Lord, and stir our hearts that we might pray for one another right here and now. That we would simply be as you've called and commissioned and commanded the church. That we would love one another. Oh, Father, I pray that you would pour out your Spirit from heaven above, Lord. Baptize us afresh by your Spirit right now, Lord. Help us as we read your Word to also heed your Word, to apply your Word, Lord. I believe that you're touching our hearts here, that you want us to pray. You want us to help and encourage one another. And Father, whoever that is, whoever those of your children that are here right now, maybe they're going through a lot and they simply need the love and encouragement that comes from you through the body of Christ. Can you help us, Lord, that we could pray for them, that they would surrender fully to you, that you might do your work through our life, Lord, that they be conformed to the image of your Son. For we ask, we pray, we cry out to you in Jesus' name. Amen.